Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes today for worship. Today we see Jesus healing the eyes, the eyesight of a man born blind in John chapter 9. And Jesus does this just not simply for the fact of doing the miracle to, to heal this man, but he has a deeper spiritual teaching for all of us. And we'll consider that a little bit in our sermon today. The service is outlined for you in your service folder. We'll begin with hymn number 221 and then continue in the front part of your red hymnal on page 26. God bless your worship. We continue on page 26 in the front part of your red hymnal. Please rise. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. 
God invites us to come into his presence and worship him with humble and penitent hearts. Therefore, let us acknowledge our sinfulness and ask him to forgive us. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us, and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For all that we need in life, and for the wisdom to use all your gifts with gratitude and joy, hear our prayer, O Lord. For the steadfast assurance that nothing can separate us from your love, and for the courage to stand firm against the assaults of Satan and every evil, hear our prayer, O Christ. For the well-being of your holy church in all the world, and for those who offer here their worship and praise, hear our prayer, O Lord. Merciful God, maker and preserver of life, Uphold us by your power and keep us in your tender care. The works of the Lord are great and glorious. His name is worthy of praise. Let us pray. Almighty God, look with favor on your humble servants and stretch out the right hand of your power to defend us against all our enemies. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated.
In our Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 42, God compares himself to a woman in labor. And here we see especially two types of blindness. Those who cannot see the way to salvation and those who are blind because of their own rejection. Isaiah chapter 42. I have been silent for a long time. I have kept still. I have restrained myself. Like a woman giving birth, I will scream, I will gasp and pant, I will dry up mountains and hills, I will make all their grass wither, I will turn rivers into islands, I will dry up pools, I will lead the blind on a way they do not know. Along paths they do not know, I will direct them. Ahead of them, I will turn darkness into light, and rough places into level ground. These are the promises I will accomplish for them, I will not abandon them. They will be turned back and be completely disgraced. That is, those who trust in an idol. Those who say to molted images, you are our gods. You deaf ones, listen. You blind ones, watch carefully so that you can see. Who is so blind as my servant, or so deaf as my messenger whom I sent? Who is so blind as my covenant partner, and so blind as the servant of the Lord? You see many things, but you do not observe. He opens his ears, but he does not hear. Because of his righteousness, the Lord was pleased to make his law great and glorious. Our psalm for today is Psalm 143, as found on page 118. Please note that I will sing the first and third verses in each of the sections. Hear my prayer, listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. My spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. Let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Answer me quickly, O Lord. Do not hide your face from me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Glory be.
be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in Our second reading comes from Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. Once we were darkness, and now we are light. Our conversion meant a total transformation of what we are, and it therefore leads to a total transformation of what we do. Paul writes, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, and do not participate in fruitless deeds of darkness. Instead, expose them. For it is shameful even to mention the things that are done by people in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes things visible. Therefore it is said, Awake, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Our theme verse is printed for you there. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of our Gospel. Our Gospel lesson comes from John chapter 9, reading selected verses. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that God's works might be revealed in connection with him. I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes. Go, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. They brought this man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes, so the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man told them. I washed and now I see. Then some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others were saying, How can a sinful man work such miraculous signs? There was division among them, so they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him, because he opened your eyes? The man replied, He is a prophet. They answered him, You were entirely born in sinfulness, yet you presume to teach us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. When he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, sir? The man replied, That I may believe in him. Jesus answered, You have seen him, and he is the very one who is speaking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he knelt down and worshipped him. Jesus said, 
For judgment I came into this world in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 343. Dear fellow redeemed, Christ is the world's light. Christ is the world's peace. And yet Jesus Christ himself said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And then he would go on to talk about 
even hating one's own family. And that really starts to get to the core question posed before us in John chapter 9. What does it mean to be a believer? And what does that look like in my life? Christ is the world's light. And Jesus had said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And when you bring that into the picture, perhaps you start to see the same theme woven throughout the entire tapestry of Scripture itself. Thinking back to your Bible history, the people who rebelled against God, the children of Israel there in the desert, and God sent poisonous snakes among them. And when the people cried out, God didn't simply snap his fingers and take them away. He said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole, and anyone who looks at it will live. No doubt, lots of people watched Moses as he put this bronze snake up on a pole. And some of those people still died. Because what God was getting at, what God was really teaching, is that without faith, there is no life. Those who, who trusted in the promise that, that looking at that snake would save them from death, those would be saved. And those who looked scornfully and scoffed and dismissed, how in the world could a bronze snake do that? They perished in their unbelief. Christ is the world's light. Christ is the world's peace. And what in the world does it mean to be a Christian? How does that relate to my life? The disciples are walking along. They see the man sitting there. He's been blind since birth. He's never seen the pink of a sunrise. He's never seen that vibrant green of the first spring grass. He's been, he's been blind since birth, which is to say he was even blind longer than the man I met the first time I preached a sermon in Big Rapids, Michigan. That man was in his 40s. He had been premature. He had been in the neonatal ICU. And he was old enough that the doctors put him on pure oxygen. And what they realized and learned after the fact was that a baby on pure oxygen would lose its sight. That man was blind since the second or third day after his birth. But this man, this man had been blind since birth and everybody knew him. Everybody knew that. And so, as they walked past, perhaps some led him along to the synagogue. Perhaps they told him about the coming Messiah. No doubt they heard, this man heard of that the Messiah was going to be coming. And he had heard of this Jesus of Nazareth. But the disciples' question, right at the start, is basically the same question that lies before us. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a believer? And what does that really look like in my life? 
It's not so much a question, but an accusation. Lord, who sinned? Two options will give you, Jesus. Two options. Either this man or his parents. Because, oh my goodness, look at how in the world would somebody who hadn't sinned grievously, why in the world would somebody who hadn't sinned be afflicted with such blindness for all their lives? Never seeing the smile, never seeing the grass, the sunrise, the sunset, not even seeing the face of Jesus until the end of the chapter. What does it mean to be a believer? And what does that look like in my life? And that question could be taken a couple of different ways. Perhaps we think of, I'm the Christian, and so I've got, I've got the bar set right here. I've got my own set of standards and values and principles, and I want to live up to those as well as I can in all of my dealings, both private and personal, as well as public, in what I choose to allow into my home, how I conduct myself with others, how I conduct my business. These are the things that I try to live up to as a Christian. Because I'm a believer, and because that is how I relate my Christian beliefs to my life. Flip it around, the question can be taken the other way which is the question that the disciples ask. Since I'm a Christian, what can I expect from God? And what can I determine about my life? And what can I determine about what God thinks of me by looking at my life? I'm a Christian. Why should I have to suffer in this way? Why would a Christian be born blind? Why would a Christian lose his sight on the second day after his birth simply because the doctors made this this mistake? Why would a Christian be afflicted with doubt or pain or depression or anxiety or heartache or worry? I'm a Christian, so the thought goes. I shouldn't have to feel this way. I shouldn't have to suffer this way. And besides, when I look at my life, I'm not so sure that God really thinks of me the way he says he thinks of me, because if he did, if God did, then wouldn't my life look different? No doubt you've felt that way, and you can draw your own conclusions and your own comparisons and connect the dots in your own life, It's really the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? How does that relate to my life? Not just in in what I do, what I permit or don't permit, what what I watch and consume as far as media, but also, what does it look like in my life? The way God allows or permits or even sends disaster, tragedy, worry, doubt. The way that, perhaps for you, perhaps the day getting out of bed and getting the shoes on is even a struggle. And you think to yourself, but I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to feel this way. But I'm a Christian. What do I have to do 
to break out of this funk and this slump. Lord, <laughs> who sinned? This man or his parents? As though there were only two options. And only one question. How do we answer that? What does it look like to be a believer? And how does that relate to my life? The question is wrong. Thank God for that. Jesus' answer is this. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that God's works might be revealed in connection with him, that God might be glorified in his life. So often, even as Christians, especially as regular people in this world, because this is what the entire world does, every person in the world, by nature, even by nurture, wants to look at their own life and try to discern or understand where I stand with God, even if they don't say it that way. They might say it as trying to understand that, yes, I'm a good person, or the flip side, the question posed to Job, what did you do that this tragedy happened to you? And God's answer is to sweep all those questions aside. To say, absolutely not. Those questions have no place for the Christian. Because Jesus really says that life is far more complex than simple cause and effect. Life is far more complex than simple cause and effect. What does it mean to be a Christian? And how does it relate to my life? And Jesus says, time out, life is far more complex than simple cause and effect. In other words, how it relates to your life trying to live up to that bar, that's because you live that way doesn't mean that God is going to bless you in a particular way that you expect. Or the flip side, simply because you're a Christian doesn't doesn't excuse you or doesn't set you aside or apart from any sort of suffering or pain in this world. And Jesus says, time out, just a second. Because the purpose is this, that the work of God may be displayed in your life. All right. Okay, thank you, Jesus, but what does that mean? And what does that look like? Because, Lord, I still have the worry, the anxiety, the depression. Lord, I still feel the guilt and the pain and the doubt and the wondering as though I did something to deserve this. And to all that, Jesus says, absolutely not. In the sense that, He is the light 
of the world. Now, if, if God had left us to ourselves, yes, we would deserve no good thing from God, and we don't. But in answer to all that, Jesus said, here, he scooped up our blindness, carried our worry, picked up our doubt and concern and apprehension and wondering. He placed it on his back. Kind of like um, if you tuned in, I think it was last week's Saturday's podcast episode about the rag man. And I'll give you a brief synopsis if you didn't. This man walking through the town, calling out rags, rags, new rags for old. He sees the the first person in that town seated on the steps, sobbing into a handkerchief. And Jesus, the ragman, takes her filthy handkerchief, gives her a pristine new one, and her tears are dried. He goes on through the town calling out rags, rags, new rags for old. He sees a man leaning against a pole, a telephone pole, And he says, why don't you go to work? The man stands up. He is missing an arm. And the ragman exchanges his coat for that man's coat. The man instantly has two strong arms, and the ragman is left with one. Pushing his cart faster and faster through the town, crying out, rags, rags, new rags for old. He sees somebody sitting on the curb, holding his head, Jesus replaces that filthy rag with his own. The rag man pushes his cart full of of disgusting and dirty rags all the way up to the hill called Calvary. And there he died. What's the point? Jesus knows how you feel. Because he has carried your sorrow. And I don't mean that in a pithy, like, footprints in the sand kind of a way. That Jesus, you know, that that poem that is so popular, and people sometimes look for it in the Bible. The, The poem that says, well, there I carried you. There's an element of truth to that. But Jesus took up your sorrow, your infirmity, your worry, and your wondering, and says, Dear Christian, dear child, your sin is forgiven. The doubt, the worry, the anxiety, all of that is forgiven. The sin is forgiven and gone. And yes, your standing in God's eyes is one of a beloved child, clothed in beautiful garments, One of a man who came home seeing. You're standing in God's eyes. Says, there is no doubt whatsoever what God thinks of you. And he's given you you some insight and some sight here in John chapter 9. That because there is no doubt in God's mind what he thinks of you, there is also every reason to be confident as a Christian in what God thinks of you. With the eyesight that says, I have seen my Savior. And yes, 
the day and the morning, and each day is just as much of a struggle against the worry or the doubt or the wondering. But the Word of God has said, and the Word of God will not be overturned when it has said that God has forgiven me. And what that really means is that holy God has said, you walk with him. Holy God has called you to stand up and walk. Holy God has said, this is your Savior, and this is the eyesight that you now have. Whereas a Christian, you can know that God has every reason to look upon you favorably. That when God looks at you, he sees nothing but his beloved child. I don't know how else to put that. And when you look at your own life, God wants you to have that same eyesight. Because Jesus, the light of the world, has said that your life is more complex than simple cause and effect. That even though you might think back to the biggest event in your life, and you might think to yourself, that really makes me angry with God, or that really makes me wonder, where do I stand with God, or what in the world did I do to deserve this? To all that, Jesus, the light of the world, puts his finger to his lips and says, Child, it's okay. My child, there's more going on here than you can see. My child, that, that person you miss sees with even better eyesight than we do today. The life that they have and the life that you have as a Christian is one of walking with your Lord. And yes, that same Jesus walks with you the entire way. Not in a footprints in the sand kind of a way. Well, maybe. But more importantly, in the shepherd guarding his sheep the entire way to heaven kind of a way. That the light of the world isn't just a flashlight shining in the dark. The light of the world is like the blinding sun. You think of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and his clothes shone like lightning, brighter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And we look at our lives and we think, and it feels so often, like I walk alone. Or I take my, my bit of encouragement from the Word of God. I tune into the, the, the morning podcast. Hopefully it gets out in the morning sometime, in the a.m. still. I tune into the morning podcast, and I hear what God has to say, and then I have to go about my day. And it still feels like the same doubt and worry and anxiety keep coming back. And the same temptation to think, when I look at my life, it just looks like cause and effect. What did I do, Lord? Because I don't like where I'm at. And this just feels like you don't look upon me with favor. 
And the reminder today is that the light of the world, that Jesus Christ, who shone like the sun on the Mount of Transfiguration, still walks with you. You remember his word. You've memorized portions of it. And when God brought you to faith, he created a, a room within your heart. Kind of a room set aside for him. The Holy Spirit dwelling within you through faith. And so the walk that we have, as we, you get up in the morning and put your shoes on and start your day, and maybe that day feels a little bit like the walk down into the valley once more, the trudge through another day, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe you happen to be walking along a, a shining plateau that day. And that's what it felt like. Either way, Jesus says that he, the Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd, the Light of the World, is with you. That he looks favorably upon you, that he has forgiven your sin, and that even now, even now, especially now, he wants to show his glory in your life. What does that look like? What does it look like to see the, the glory of God in one's life? It isn't necessarily that God leads you along a shining path every single day where it feels like you never have to struggle against sin or temptation or doubt or worry. But it's especially, and very much, that even when it feels like the day is another trudge through the valley of the shadow of death, you know that your Lord looks upon you with favor because his word says so. Because he has given you sight to know the Lamb of God. Not a a snake on a pole. The Son of Man lifted up and his blood washed away your sin. And so you know from the Word of God what does it mean to be a Christian and how does that Christianity relate to my life? You know that being a Christian was God's work for you. That he made you his own. And how does that relate to my life? That we now walk with a new sight. A sight that says, I know what my Lord thinks of me. Even when, and especially when the world says and tempts otherwise, I know, I know, that my God loves me. He's proven it. On the cross, the empty tomb, the word, the sacrament. Thanks be to God. He's given us sight. Amen. Please rise. And now may the grace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to our Confession of Faith, the Nicene Creed, as found on page 31 in the front part of your red hymnal.
the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering. We continue with the responsive prayer of the church as printed for you on page 32. Please rise. Page 32. Gracious God and Father, we praise you for the countless blessings which we receive from your hand, the beauties of creation and the bounties of the earth, the joy of life and the pleasure of friendship, the good of work and the gift of rest, the privilege to share happiness and sorrow with one another. Above all, we praise and thank you for your saving word and for your Son's body and blood, which you give us to eat and to drink in this sacrament. Through these means of grace, you send the Holy Spirit into our hearts and unite us to Jesus and to the whole Christian church on earth. Increase our trust in Christ and our love for one another. 
Great God and Lord, without your continuing help, we easily waver in our faith, lose courage, and grow careless in our watchfulness. The times and days are perilous. Give us strength to face the evils of each day with fresh confidence. Open our lips to speak of your grace, and move us to use the gifts that you give us to share your word of salvation with all people. Protect and prosper the family, the school, the government, and all good institutions that you have established for the benefit of society. Remember in mercy those who are sick and suffering, and bring your healing to troubled homes and lives. Lord Jesus, Ascended Savior, you have commanded us to instruct the young in your saving truth. Bless the schools of our church, our church body, and all other agencies through which we carry to out this vital task together. Give wisdom to those who teach, and attentive ears and eager hearts to those who learn. Grant that your word may be passed down from one generation to the next, until all your lambs are safely gathered together into your eternal fold. And Lord Jesus, you call to yourself all who labor and are heavily laden to refresh them and give them rest for their souls. Let these guests experience your love at the heavenly feast you have prepared for your people on earth. Take off from them the spotted garment of their own righteousness and adorn them with the garment of the merit purchased through, through your blood. Hear us for your sake. Now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Now, eternal God and Father, keep us in the saving faith, and so enable us to overcome all things through our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue with the sacrament. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He made his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. Be holy, holy.
Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all of your sin. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of all of your sin. Take and eat. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sin. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sin. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now may this true body and blood of our Savior strengthen and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Depart at peace with God, sins forgiven. Amen.